Well, I love birthdays. So, if you have a birthday on this period, please come out. Come up to me afterwards so I can sing to you. I love to sing happy birthday. And don't worry if you get embarrassed. We'll go off in a corner or I'll sing quietly. And really, any time during the year you have a birthday, you got to tell me. I can't celebrate something that I don't know about, right? Of course. Well, the U.S. TV networks have run out of ideas. So what are they doing? They're rebooting old shows that once were popular, and one of those shows came into sharp focus. Of course, you know who it is, uh, Roseanne Barr, and they had a great first season. People were really excited. ABC was very excited about the response. Then Roseanne, in the time that it takes to type out a tweet, brought the whole thing down. As you've heard, she made some type of racial slur against one of President Obama's former aides. And so ABC had to cancel the show. And we're not just talking about Roseanne. We're talking about hundreds of people that depended upon that show for employment. Friends, words are very powerful. All of us can think back to people who have said something to us that has been hurtful, mean, nasty. Maybe it was our parents, maybe our siblings, maybe someone else in our life. And when somebody says something very nasty to you, it kind of stays in your head sometimes. You ever notice that? And sometimes it comes back when you're thinking about yourself and and it just surfaces again. Words are so powerful and can cause so much damage But at the same time, they can do so many good things as talked about in James chapter 3. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it can cause a a great forest fire to start. Now, the two most powerful words in the English language are Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12, and there is a salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. Only in the name of Jesus Christ can your sins be forgiven. Only in the name of Jesus Christ can you be forgiven. Freed from guilt and shame. Only through the name of Jesus Christ can you become a child of God. And only in the name of Jesus Christ you can change your eternal destiny. Right? Amen? Amen. One more time. Amen. That's something to get excited about, right? Well, we're continuing in our series in Acts. The story of the early church, how it began and how it flourished. And we're calling this series Unfinished. Because again, we're still fulfilling the purpose of the church. And we're going to look at that today. Acts 1.8. We looked at a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about uh, those 40 days when Jesus Christ was on earth. 
when he was teaching his disciples and preparing them uh, for uh, the adventure they were about to go on, and he promised them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Jesus Christ says, the Holy Spirit's a-coming. Oh, my. It's going to be really exciting. But don't go anywhere without the Holy Spirit, okay, guys? This is really important. I know you might get impatient, want to get out there and start working on uh, this project of reaching the world. But don't. If you go out without the Holy Spirit, you're going to go nowhere. So you have to wait. So wait they did. Now you have the Passover celebration when Christ is crucified. And then 50 days later, you have the Jewish celebration of Pentecost. So Jesus was around for 40 days. And so you had these people waiting for about 10 days. But they they don't have an idea about how long they were supposed to wait. What's interesting is that there were 120 disciples waiting. Where did all those people come from? Well, as we read through the Gospels, of course, we're very in tune with the 12 disciples. But if you read really closely, you'll see that others were following Jesus. Remember when he sent out the 70 witnesses? There were 70 people right there, and he had women following him. And again, you have God in the flesh, right? And people, people were drawn to him and became committed to him. Now, it's interesting, at the same time, there's only 120. That's not a very big group to change the world. And they had no chance except for the fact that the Holy Spirit was going to come. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. So 120 disciples were together. We're not sure what they were doing. Some people say, well, they were praying for the Spirit to come because they had to pray. No. They didn't have to pray. This is God's deal. Okay. God was going to make it happen. But, of course, it always is good to pray. And they were waiting all together in one place. And what I want to do is go back and kind of refer to some of the things we talked about two weeks ago to give you the big picture. Because this passage we're studying in Acts 2 is one of the most significant passages in Scripture. Because it tells us how the church got started. Now, remember we talked about the fact that there were different periods in history. They were in the garden. And that, that was paradise. That was what heaven is going to be like. Heaven is whenever we are in, in physical connection with Jesus Christ and God. When we're in their presence And they could have been in their presence because they hadn't sinned. They were holy. But as soon as they sinned, they were cast out. Now, the kingdom of God continues throughout all this period, but it's the spiritual kingdom of God. It's living in the hearts of people. And one day, after the age of the law, age of the church, we're going to have the new heaven and the new earth. And then again, 
will be in physical communion with Jesus Christ and the rest of the Trinity. And we're looking forward to that. What a great hope we have in Him. So let's take a closer look at some of these covenants. Now, here are two of God's covenants. We're going to start out with the Old Covenant. is also called the Mosaic Covenant. But a covenant is an agreement with someone about how you're going to relate, how you're going to do business or something of that nature. And the two key words with the Old Covenant was law and sacrifices. Here's a, a drawing of what it might, might have looked at, like at uh, Mount Sinai. Remember the Israelites, uh, they crossed the Red Sea miraculously, and then they traveled probably a couple months and ended up at Mount Sinai. Now, this is very important because this is where God is going to establish the Old Covenant. And in Acts chapter 2, what we're studying today, that's when the New Covenant is put into effect. So that's why we're comparing these two. So God told Moses uh, how to lay this all out. And one of the things is that the people should come to the base of Mount Sinai, but don't touch the mountain. In fact, they put ropes up because if they would have touched it, they would die because God was on that mountain and it was holy. Everybody had to kind of stand back. And then all of a sudden, out of the sky, you had thunder and lightning that just rocked the place. It just covered all of Mount Sinai. And then you had this trumpet sound. And it got louder and louder and louder. And then the cloud, which God was in, rested upon the mountain and also over all the Israelites. And there was fire, fire throughout the mountain. Again, it was fireworks. What an unbelievable display of God's power because this was a very important day. This was a new agreement he was making with his people. So as they listened, God spoke to them. And God laid out the Ten Commandments. And they heard it from him. And the rest of the law, it was so important that they hear this from him. Because they said, I'm going to make an agreement with you. All right? So I want you to act in this way. I want you to follow the law. All these laws really are a reflection of me. I want you to be holy like me. Now, if you do well and you become more like me, I'm going to bless you. You're going to have bumper crops. You're always going to have enough to eat. Life is going to be good. Now, that's not today. That was the old, uh, excuse me, uh, the period of the law. So that, that was the agreement. And how did the Israelites do with that? Well, you remember, they didn't do very well. In fact, they were sent into exile for 70 years because they just could not fulfill the law. Now, God never expected them to. But the main reason of the law was to show us how sinful people are, how much they struggle without God's help. And so what God said, okay, if you can't follow the law, you have to uh, sacrifice animals and other types of grain. And, you know, there's a whole very complicated 
sacrificial system that was a part of the law. And the idea was that people would bring their sacrifices. And they would say, I'm bringing this sacrifice because God told me to. He told me if I bring the sacrifice, I will be saved. So when you look at people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they were saved in the same way. They were justified by faith. So these Israelites had to believe that bringing these sacrifice, sacrifices atone their sins or God forgave their sins because they couldn't follow the law. And again, very extensive system they had to follow. And of course, we know that that was all foreshadowing Jesus Christ coming to this earth and being the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ fulfilled all of the law, all 666 commands, and therefore, when he did that, and then of course he gave his life, uh, there was no more reason for any sacrifices to be made because God's justice had been satisfied. So the old covenant is law and sacrifices. Now, the new covenant that we're going to look at today is Jesus and new life. Jesus was the critical part of a new covenant. He made it possible for us to have a totally different relationship with God. Now, the new covenant was prophesied in Jeremiah 31 and some other verses we'll see here. So Jeremiah is speaking, prophesying. He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Again, he was telling the Israelites these things. Hey, there's a new deal coming up. For this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wow. Think about that. He's going to put the law within us. Now, in the Old Testament, it was just externally. You've got to follow all these commands. But now he's going to write that on our hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. What that speaks of is a new relationship with God, a new experience that the Israelites did not have. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Wow. That's what happens, right? When we look to Jesus for salvation, He he gives us a new heart. A new heart, new desires. And this is so important to understand. Because, you know, we love ragging on the Israelites. Oh, they were so sinful. What was their problem? God would do a miracle, and the next day they were whining again. I tell you, I'm so glad I'm a stronger you know, God follower than the Israelites. Now listen to me closely, all right? 
the Israelites did not have the Holy Spirit within them. You understand that? So what do you expect out of them anyway? The Spirit would come on different people at different times, but the average guy didn't have the Holy Spirit. Here he was trying to follow the law without having the Spirit and the new heart and the desires. That's why they struggled so much. We can still rag on them, but it's important to know that. (laughs) Right? No wonder they couldn't do it. And now there's higher expectations for us because we have a new heart. You know, a person who doesn't know Jesus has a heart of stone. Family members, friends you know who don't know the Christ, they have a heart of stone. They go, ooh, a heart of stone. You don't want to see that on a Valentine card, right? Well, no. But that's why people are so rebellious. They don't have the Holy Spirit to empower them. That's why they go off in all different types of directions. And, of course, we mourn the changes in our culture. But let's not be too surprised. Judeo-Christian ethic carried this country for a long time. And if these people don't have the Spirit and they got... Hearts and stones, well, of course they're going to go off after any type of lust they want to have and make the most out of life because this is the only life you have. So don't be too hard on people who don't have the Spirit, that don't have that new heart. They've got stones for hearts, and that's why when we see activists that are pushing against what we believe in, we need to pray for them, right? We need to pray that the Holy Spirit would open their eyes and see that uh, Jesus Christ has a wonderful plan for their lives. So I'll put the new spirit within you. So when we talk about a person becoming a Christ follower, a decision to follow God, what happens in their heart is that the heart is changed and Jesus transforms them, makes them holy, and more, most importantly, the Holy Spirit comes into them. So if you've decided to follow Jesus, repent from your sins, you have the Holy Spirit within you today. And that's why it says, you know, the law written on our hearts. Well, that's the Spirit, right? He's the one who's making the difference there. He's the one who gives us that heart of flesh. And we talk about the new nature and the old nature. Everybody has an old nature, some call it the flesh. Uh, but again, yeah, we're not going to do very well with that. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, we have a new nature. You might say we have our old nature, the flesh, and we have the new nature that God gave us. And as you and I know, they're always battling it out. Just like Paul said, what am I supposed to do? I want to do one thing, but I can't do it. What's wrong with me? Well, the problem is you still have that old nature within you. It's kind of like the old illustration where you have the, the white dog and the black dog, okay? And, and which of these dogs are going to win in a fight? Well, it's the one you what? Anybody? Feed the most, exactly. So if you're feeding the new nature by reading his word, walking in the spirit, you're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. But you're making progress along the discipleship pathway. 
And you're moving ahead. Well, that's where God wants you to be. He's going to naturally move you in that way. And I will put my spirit within you, the passage continues, and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now look at this verse. What are the two key words that are different from the Old Covenant? Anybody? Cause you. That's the Spirit, right? We have this new nature. <laughs> and say the white dog, you know, and we want to feed that and strengthen it because for the first time we have a natural desire. We have the Spirit within us that's causing us to seek after God, not just to do good works or points, but do good works because we want to be like God. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He exhorts, He encourages, He prays for us. He interprets God's Word for us in order that we might grow to be more like God. So if you think you're pretty spiritual, friends, it's not because of you. It's because of what the Spirit is doing in your heart. Because you're allowing Him to do that. It's interesting, Jesus Christ said in the Last Supper, celebrating communion for the first time, and likewise the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. So you just drank of the, I think it's grape, uh, Welch's grape juice. Uh, that's in the Bible. Ask me later. I want to drink wine, you know. Uh, so uh, you drank of that. And what were you doing? This cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. So he was saying, hey, the new covenant is becoming is coming, and the reason for it is that I am going to die. And I'm going to satisfy the justice of God, and that will make you holy if you ask God to transform you. You'll have the spirit within you. You'll have that new nature that you need to continue to feed. And Again, it's so important to be reminded. With our culture, it's just so... I mean, I'm just amazed sometimes. I, I get on the computer, and I, I start surfing. And about a half hour later, <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> They've got all these curious things. I don't do it often, but sometimes I get caught up in it. And it's so easy, but what? What nature am I feeding? Do those searches lead me to places that glorify God? Well, sometimes. But sometimes not, and the more we're exposed, especially to media today. You guys heard of the uh, Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why, where uh, this girl uh, lays out all these different reasons she's going to commit suicide, and she leaves these tapes behind, and they're tapes, as I understand, against the people that forced her over the edge. And season two is coming out. And I read a description of it. And I was just, I was disturbed. 
I was disturbed because it was all things that, that Satan would want. I mean, just for, again, broadcast media, it's like, really? Really? And, of course, kids have copied that, right? They've done what that girl did. They made all these tapes, and then they killed themselves. And there, there's just so much, as they say in the Bible, debauchery. You know, that's an extreme example. But whatever you're watching in media, say, okay, just feeding my new nature or my old nature. And just let the Holy Spirit guide us in that. All right, so now we get to the, <laughs> the great part, right? And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Now, it was a surprise to them. It was like, again, day 50, but they didn't know the Holy Spirit was going to come at that exact moment. I mean, they were totally surprised, and it sounded like a mighty rushing wind. Now, notice it says, a sound like. There was no wind. It was just the sound of winds. You can imagine this freight train coming, and hey, I don't feel anything. But I certainly do hear something. I love to serve my wife. And one of the things I do is I give the dogs a walk. She wants that to happen. She's emotionally concerned and invested in these dogs. I am to a certain degree. Not as much as hers. And she says, the dogs need to get out and walk today. And I said, there's so many more important things to do. But hey, if it pleases her, I'm going to do it. Right? And I get my exercise in. So we're walking along Crystal Lake Road with the Lincoln Hills Police Station. It's a nice, quiet place. So I'm walking the dogs, and all of a sudden I hear this sound. And it sounds like a very big vehicle. And it's hitting the air, and the sound of wind is being created. And what really, really rattles me is the vehicle gets faster and faster. It's speeding up as it's coming toward me, and I'm getting rattled. Am I going to die? And the vehicle goes past me. What do I realize? that it was an ambulance without the sirens, okay? The lights were going and everything, but the siren wasn't going. So if I had heard the siren, I would have turned around right away. But it's like, whoo, you know, it was just like the people in the upper room. I didn't expect that ambulance. They didn't expect the sound of rushing wind. And then the tongues of fire came and divided. Tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Here's some idea of what it might have looked like. I imagine if that happened this morning, right? The tongues of fire, the flame that, that was seen, it appears on all our heads. And the funny thing about it, you're in one of those situations, and it's happening to everybody else, right? Oh, what is wrong with everybody? And then, oh, it's up there. <laughs> yeah, it's on top of my head, too. Everybody's head. And, and talk about a supernatural experience nobody had ever <laughs> had happened before. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They started to speak in foreign languages. Maybe they're standing there and they're talking. What I can't understand you. As your friend, right? Like, what in the world was going on with him? Yeah. It was amazing. In fact, I want to recreate that moment in Pentecost today. You came on the right Sunday. We're having so much fun here. Oh, yeah. So, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you stand up. You can remain seated until I'm done with all my instructions. No, I want you to stand up anyway. All right. So, you stand up. Okay. So, we are the disciples in the house, waiting. And in a moment, let me explain, we're going to have a mighty wind, the sound of a mighty wind coming. All right? That's the first thing that happened. And then the tongues of fire, and I want you to go like this. If you're a guest, you don't have to do this. Relax. We're not usually like this. Really, I mean, okay, but if you attend here regularly, I want you to do this. Okay, so everybody goes like that. Practice now. I don't see everybody. Oh, very excellent. Very good. That's a tongues of fire, right? And then you start speaking in a foreign language. How many of you know a foreign language out there? All right, I want you to speak in that language. I don't care what you say. Nobody understands anyway. Okay, but when we fully get going here, we're going to say, praise God for the new covenant. Say that with me. Praise God for the new covenant. So, the wind will strike, and then we'll do the, watch me. Other people in the first service, they were going like, oh, wait, I didn't tell you to do that yet. Okay, and so you got the fire going. And then you turn to people around you and say, praise God for the new covenant. And if you can speak in another language, you can say whatever you want. I hate you. No, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> Are you guys ready? Are we pumped up here? Say it with me. Praise God for the new covenant. Come on. Praise God for the new covenant. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Hit the wind. Suddenly the wind starts. I don't feel it. But I can hear it. Wow. What is that? Wait a second. Oh, everybody up. Everybody up. Ah. Look at I see all those people waving to me out there. What's going on? You know? And fire on their head, right? I see that going on. And then all of a sudden, you break out praising God in a foreign language or English. Say it to somebody. Let's keep that wind going. Say it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Yeah, there we go. wish you could have been up here. You may be seated. And again, for those of you who are guests, we don't do this regularly. You probably said, somebody said this church was interesting, but I don't know, is this interesting? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just wanted you to get a sense of the excitement of what went on. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews devout men from every nation under heaven. Now, we remember that 
this is a festival in Jerusalem, and so everybody shows up from different countries. If you were a Jew, you showed up, you made the pilgrimage, or a proselyte, you became a Jew. So again, maybe over a million people in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was a very small uh, place, a very small town. And so all of a sudden, they hear this wind. At at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Now again, this wind was just not in the house. The sound of this wind went throughout Jerusalem, and people were going, what in the world is going on? And it's loudest over that way. Let's go. Let's run. Let's see what's happening. And they show up. And then on top of that, I don't know if they saw that pillar of fire over there, but uh, they started to speak in languages they knew. And one guy saying, hey, listen, there's only one person from my area. I came along. I came from Rome, and they're speaking my language. What is going on? And the people who are Christ followers, they can't believe what's happening either. Imagine if you started to speak in another known foreign language. (laughs) That'd be weird, right? Well, this is weird, and it's great at the same time. But they were hearing them speak, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Uh, That was derogatory. Galileans, they didn't have any education, just common workers, nothing special. So the fact that these people were speaking foreign languages, it's like, if anybody I didn't expect to do it, it's them. And they're doing it. And they're uneducated. Uh, And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Okay, so again, we look at the different covenants. And we look at the comparisons. Here's connecting the covenants. In the Old Covenant, the sound was a horn or a trumpet. In the New Covenant, there was wind. Uh, there was power, a fire over the mountain, and flames over the head. And in the voice, the voice of God, and in the New Covenant, it was all these different languages. But here's, here's the most important thing, friends. Now remember, if you're an Israelite, And you're at Mount Sinai, and all this big fireworks show is going off, and you're just astounded at what's happening. But there's a rope in front of you that keeps you from actually being in communion with God. Where was God's presence? In the Old Covenant, it was on the mountain. In the New Covenant, it was in individuals. Think about that. In individuals. God lives within us. I'm so glad I'm living in the new covenant. Aren't you? Oh, things are a lot easier. And Peter went on to give this powerful sermon. I don't have time to go over it, but it all focused around the proofs of the resurrection of Jesus really did uh, die. He says, repent and be baptized, 
every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What does repent mean? It means a change of mind, a change of mind about things. Let's say you're driving out to Rockford, Illinois, my birthplace. You can go see the plaque where I used to live. But, yeah, uh, you're driving out that direction. And God says, no, you're going the wrong way. Nothing wrong with the Rockford. You're going the wrong way. You've got to turn around, man. Get off at this exit and get back on. And that's what you do. You turn the car around and you start going towards Chicago. <laughs> well, that's repentance. It's saying, wait, I'm going the wrong direction. I've got to go in God's direction and be baptized. Some people think, well, does that mean you have to be baptized to be saved? No, not at all. Uh, sometimes they interpret it that way, but we believe baptism by immersion as taught in the Bible was something that we all need to do. And God commanded in the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you all again, if you are a Christ follower, and you have not been baptized by immersion. It has to be after your salvation so you can, again, reflect what God did in your life. And it's been a year since your salvation. It's time. It's time to deal with your fears, to deal with your excuses. It's not easy, but it's time. And there's some of you who have been years without it. Well, it's time. It's time. What is holding you back? From identifying with Jesus Christ through baptism. Name of Jesus Christ again, forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this really kind of popped out at me as I was studying it. Paul was filled, excuse me, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time that day. Okay? So he's saying, hey, there's a new bonus here. Okay. You can experience the Holy Spirit just like I've experienced it. I was thinking about, yeah, he just that was all new to him, and now he's telling them they can experience the Holy Spirit. And those who received his word were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. I want you to watch a video here that kind of sums up everything that we've been talking about. What happened that day, when the Spirit arrived, when the Holy Spirit came? What happened then? It got loud, loud enough to be heard all over town. Fire appeared, divided and dispersed to each of them. The outsiders came running, and they heard the fire talkers tell of God's mighty works in their own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. The Spirit had come to describe the glory of God in their native tongues through those who followed Christ. These representatives of the world stood astounded but curious, bewildered but ready. 
Then Peter showed them from the scripture exactly what it meant, revealing God's promise to all who trust in Jesus. And many believed, and many repented, and many were baptized, and many were saved. The Spirit had come. The church was born. Amen? Amen. I love that video. Just kind of summarizing it all and the experience. And now we are continuing that. What we need to realize is that uh, sometimes we don't feel adequate to share Jesus Christ. And Peter, though, you know, he was uneducated. Uh, he was a failure. But when the Holy Spirit came, it transformed his life. What I want to say, it's, it's not the messenger, it's the message. This past week, I went to Sports Clips, and uh, I tell you, they got a great deal there, man. 17 bucks. Not only do you get a haircut, but you have a hot towel put on your face. This is the MVP plan, but if you buy, you know, hot towel. I didn't know how much I liked a hot towel. And then they, they, they shampooed my hair. My wife doesn't even do that for me. And they're shampooing my hair. And then they give you, you know, I don't know what tool they use on you, but, you know, oh, yeah, that's great, you know. Wow! Go to sports clips! <laughs> but I had a chance to talk. I go there because I can talk to different hairstylists. And I'm a pastor. I get to evangelism. So I mentioned I'm a pastor and have a good conversation. She said, what you working on today? Well, I'm working on my message for Sunday. And so as I leave, she says, good luck on your sermon. <laughs> you know, but he, here, here's the main point, okay, guys? Whenever you start reaching out to people with the purpose of sharing the good news with them, the Holy Spirit is there. As soon as I start to show concern for her, the Holy Spirit filled the place. Now, you might not feel it, but you know it. Because when you are speaking of Jesus Christ, when you are developing a relationship, every time you engage in it, there's a, a pouring out of the Spirit. Because that's the most exciting the Spirit likes to do, I think. Right? Is to change lives. So I have a challenge for you today. We're going to start out real simple. All right? Uh, there's uh, something we're talking a lot about. In terms of reaching people, first we need to pray for them. That's very, very basic, right? I think we can all do that. But pray for them on a daily basis. I mean, really, just ask the Lord to give you a burden. And then you want to care for them. You want to make a connection. So now that it is summertime, people are coming out of their hibernation, climbing out of their caves, and they're outside. You'll see your neighbors in full color, not racing by, in their car. And this is the opportunity to reach out to them. So, ladies, what I encourage you to do, and teenage ladies, well, uh, when you're at home this summer, bake something. Bake cake. Bake uh, cookies and you know cupcakes. And then take a portion over to your neighbor's. Well, I've never talked to them before. Well, it's time to start talking, I'd say, right? So, I mean, just say, hey, we were making some cookies and thought you might enjoy some. That is a gospel connection. You don't have to spill your guts about Jesus at that point. You're just developing the relationship. So you pray and you care. Now, you guys, I have a neighbor 
uh, who would never go out to Panera to have coffee with me, but I can sit forever in his backyard and talk with him. People do like to talk, so just go up to your neighbor. Hey, how's it going? Talk about whatever you want, sports, weather. There are a lot of things, right? But you make a gospel connection with them, and in that connection, the Holy Spirit is electrified, and he starts to work. And <laughs> What most Christians are missing is outreach in their lives. And that's why they think their Christian life is so boring. But God, didn't you give you this great gift to keep to yourself and try to solve all your needs? He gave it to give away, right? right? I mean, look at the beautiful day out here today, huh? What if, for some way, I don't know, your parent was living, or excuse me, your friend was living, or neighbor, in the dead of winter. I mean, a, the worst winter day that you can think. And you're living over in this sunshine. Wouldn't you want him to experience the sunshine that you're experiencing? See what I'm talking about? The gospel is awesome, and people need it. Let's pray together. Oh, dear Heavenly Father. Thank you for this exciting, exciting story, Lord. Uh, I pray that we would meditate upon it. Uh, help us to motivate us uh, to desire, to let the Spirit work through us, to connect with others. Oh, Lord, thank you for uh, entrusting the gospel to us. And help us to fulfill your command by praying and caring and sharing. In Christ's name, amen.